Warning! The Bone Bad Show is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! If you've got 30 minutes to kill, let us help. Vices and Teramo. Horror movie reviews and more. Check us out. That's vicesinteramo.podomatic.com. For the Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Excuse me there. Hey, this is my sex face. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 53 of the Bone Bat Show. I'm Steve. I'm Steve. Okay. I'm hey, Steve. what? What? Gordon! What's going Busy! Trying to do a fucking show here, man. Well, I'm trying to play a game. I've got <laughs> Athenians that are threatening my city. My Macedonian peltists are just crap because I can't get the pikemen to get in front of them. I knew inviting... Slaughter here. I knew inviting you to PAX was a mistake. Well, it's not a mistake. I've got the <laughs> Macedonian Empire to, like, you know, really flesh out here so I can pass it on to Alexander, who will probably kill me. But, yeah, so I'm playing, I'm playing Hegemony, Philip of Macedon. I got it at PAX, and it kicks ass, and that takes kind of a lot of time and attention. Apparently you want a podcast, so fine, we'll podcast. Yeah, let's, Let me just... You know what's cool? What's cool? You know what's just really cool? When you're on a business trip, you're sitting on a business trip on an airplane and you got your clients next to you and you're flying in the airplane and everyone's kind of talking for a while and then the small talk kind of dies and you, you reach into your bag to open up your book and it's a it's a 
brand new read for you. It's a book you've had for a while because your good friend, your good friend Steve gave it to you for Christmas a while back. And you go to open up the book and you kind of look over your clients and they kind of look over at you and you open up the book and the first freaking thing you see in the book is a little post-it note that your friend Steve has drawn a doodle on of someone <laughs> throwing up a penis. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That's really cool. <laughs> what did the note say? It's, it said, I really like this author. I hope this book doesn't make you wanna. And then the picture of the guy throwing up. Puke up dicks. That's so funny. I said that so long great. ago, I forgot. Because half the time, yeah, like, well, I'll send Gord books. And half the time, he's totally on board. That was a great book. The Strain. Good example great book man boom you found another one that's awesome usually lee child you dig that stuff occasionally i'll send you a yeah. book like death troopers and i get nothing but shit <laughs> about it yeah well, that's and so it was not book. long after death troopers i i like this author david liss who wrote uh whiskey rebels and i sent a copy to gord with the post-it in it just telling him that i hope he likes it <laughs> I was surprised, though, that you waited till you were on a plane to, to, to take a look at that. That's pretty funny. How was I supposed to know? I don't know. When, you send, book, me, when you send me something, I, like, open it up and look. Yeah, did he writes... Oh, I read the back. I looked at the cover. That guy writes great characters. I, he's a hell of a writer. I really enjoy his stuff. Yeah, it's all the better if you're, like, trying not to... You know, if everyone's trying to ignore what they've just seen. <laughs> That's funny. It really allows you to focus on the book. We should, maybe we should post that on the uh, page. No, it's gone. How can it be gone? That's a classic. <laughs> it is a classic. Dildo. I'm a classic. All right, so we got a uh, just an epic episode. Of course, the 2010 Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Fest is in the books. So we uh, got a little recap of that. We're going to talk a little bit about what went on there. PAX 2010. We spent three hardcore days just really immersed in gaming culture, which was fantastic. We're going to talk about that. And then finally, we're listening to the music of Anamanaguchi, who I think this Wait, summer... Wait, is it Anamanaguchi or is it Anamanaguchi? Anamana. Is it ah or is it ah? I think it's Anamana. Pete didn't like correct me when I called it that, so... Anyway. Yeah, he didn't correct you. You said a lot of things that were wrong. Oh, uh, yeah, right. He's a nice guy. Anyway, uh, so we've got a he, great he didn't interview. Point out your zipper was down. We've got a great interview with Pete from Anamanaguchi. We're going to play you a bunch of tunes. Uh, they're a hell of a chip tune band. And I think they kind of cemented their position as the heavyweight champions of chip tunes by releasing the Scott Pilgrim video game soundtrack this summer, which is absolutely great stuff. So the song that we. Uh, started the show off with is Blackout City from the release uh, Dawn Metropolis, and you'll be hearing more throughout the show. So as we mentioned, the first ever Comedy of Horrors Film Festival is now in the books. What'd you think, man? That was a great fest. That was People a loved it. That was a fantastic time. I have to say, I was so pleased that everything just went according to plan. The films rolled. We didn't really have any film issues. The band played, put out a, an absolutely great set, Barefoot Barnacle. Our sponsors were fantastic. I, another thank you to Mac and Jacks, who provided the beer, which I drank several of that night. Flying Saucer Pizza, I had a, a delicious pepperoni pizza that was just fantastic. 
Those guys did a great job of serving up pies to everybody. Uh, Games and Gizmos was there selling games. They had a whole table of great stuff. Barefoot Barnacle, again, put on a great show. They were selling their CD for the first time ever at the festival. They sold quite a few CDs. So it was just a really cool, fun-filled evening. I want to thank all the sponsors, all the filmmakers who who made the festival, you know, such a success, and the attendees, above all, who came and, you know, were a lot of fun to, to meet and hang out with and give prizes to. That was a blast handing out the prizes, I have to say. Above all, really, I want to thank GT Printing Equipment for really stepping up. Absolutely, yeah. They definitely were a fine patron of the arts for this event, and that was fantastic. So thanks to GT Printing Equipment. Also, who else? Thanks to Scarecrow Video for sending over the videos. Thanks to Comic Stop in Redmond for uh, sending over the Watchmen bus, which were won by uh, Scott from the Disney Indiana podcast. Comes all the way from Indiana to attend our festival. And he went back with just a case of loot. So that was really cool. I was glad that he won those. Uh, Stalker Farms Field of Screams, who gave us some passes for their haunt, which is going to be kicking off in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Also, uh, Myth gave us some passes to hand out, too. And that's next weekend. So you definitely have to check out that festival. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Indie Flicks, who sponsored Get Off My Porch. That was too cool. So, yeah, just a great slate of sponsors, uh, great filmmakers. Uh, Definitely some of the films, I enjoyed all of them, but some were definitely crowd pleasers. Spider, Trevenge, How My Dad Killed Dracula, Murder Baby, and Pixels. I think those five were ones that people just kept mentioning over and over is, oh, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was fun to watch the crowd watching Spider. That, <laughs> yeah. that one got the whole crowd moving. Yeah, that one had some real gas. Jumping, You know, there was a ton of laughs in uh, the horribly slow murder with the extremely inefficient weapon as well. A lot of laughs for that one. Yeah, people like that. And people love the features. Last Lovecraft, Call of Cthulhu, and Doghouse. Both went down just super, everybody dug it, so... And, of course, thanks again to Devin McGinn, Henry Sane, and uh, Mike McGinn of Last Lovecraft, and Nicole from MPI for helping uh, loop us into Last Lovecraft. And, of course, thanks to Jake West and Jonathan Hertzberg for our doghouse, because without those folks, we couldn't have had such great features for the festival. So, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I was really happy with how everything turned out. And, again, thanks to everybody who came. If you want to hear a couple other first-hand accounts about the Bone Bat Film Festival, check out Mail Order Zombie number 137 or Seattle Geekly number 76 for their accounts of the madness. Indeed. So first off, dude, what pisses you off? This is a you PAX know edition. What me off. This is a PAX edition of what this, pisses you off, right? This is the, the what PAXes me off. You and I, we go into this giant room. There's approximately 30 zillion PCs in there, fired up, ready to play any game you want, and we're both like, sweet, we're going to play StarCraft 2. Never played it, looking forward to crushing Steve. No, no, StarCraft still uses Battle.net's game prevention service, which makes it nearly impossible for two people to actually connect and play the game against each other. The first time we walked in that room, we spent a good half an hour dorking with it, trying to make it connect. 
before we finally gave up and the people there are like, oh, yeah, you know, we have 85 different PhDs in this room and nobody can make <laughs> make uh, StarCraft work. So then we had to come back the next day and figure by then they, they would have had the bugs worked out. And still, still it took two different people with more, like, computer knowledge than I will ever possess in my life to finally make these two machines that are sitting side by side actually play StarCraft and talk to each other through Battle.net's game prevention service. Piece of shit. Yeah, it was kind of a pain in the ass. The game was fun, that though. That pissed me off. I enjoyed the yeah, game. Yeah, the game was fun. The fucked up thing I was, I don't think though, I could ever own that game, though, because I, it would be way, way, way too frustrating for me to be spending hours at a time trying to actually play Part of it, I think, was using like the guest password and all that stuff through their copy protection. I think if you had your own copy of the game and your own Battle.net login, I don't think it would have been that hard. But the, the oh, thing yeah, that sucked we was such a great history with that. We spent so much how, time. How many hours did we spend like trying to play StarCraft over Battle.net and having Battle.net just jack us around? Followed by hours playing the Brood War expansion pack. Not being able to connect to each other. That's true. It's Battle.net, man. Historically, we did have Battle.net problems, but we played a shitload of StarCraft. Yeah, we, we put hours in. We put a lot of hours in on that game. That's one of those games I think back on, and I definitely got my money out of that game. Games like yeah, that. Yeah, but for every hour we spent playing that game, we spent an hour not playing the game. No, Talking no, to each no. other on the phone going, well, I don't know why I can't connect. No, I don't think it's that bad. It anyway, just seems like it to me. But I, I enjoyed the game. But what sucked was I had just built up this huge Zerg army, and I was just getting ready to crush you when the guy comes over and says, um, your time's up, because we spent so long <laughs> dicking around getting set up that it actually took a bunch of our time, because you can only have, like, 30 minutes on the PC. That sucked. Yeah. So what pisses you off, Steve? You know what, what pisses me pisses off? There's There off. were several packs oriented. Now, I have to say... PAX is rapidly becoming my favorite convention in the universe. So much... Rapidly becoming? So The only other really comparison, I think, is Comic-Con. Because Comic-Con was pretty awesome, but... This kicked Comic-Con to the curb. You can do so much more at this con in the same amount of time. Because it's smaller, it's manageable. There's really so much more going on and uh, such a variety of stuff that... It's a blast. But there was a couple of things that pissed me off. First off, fucking, if you print a panel, wait, what time it's going to be in the program, keep it there. Don't move it, like, across yeah. the street, down the block, across... Oh, fuck. Every panel we went Half to... an hour earlier. We, we got there either late or early or it was in another building. It was a total pain in the ass. The only panel that we managed to attend was the Bill Ammond panel... Yeah, and really, frankly, it wasn't that great. Yeah, he was entertaining. I, I'm not a huge fan yeah. of Foxtrot, but he, he was all right. I went, I saw, I enjoyed it enough. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just right. stop moving the fucking panels around. And I don't know if it's because I'm an Xbox guy or what, but I hate, hate, hate PS3 controllers. Oh, yeah, they're all little floaty little... They feel floaty. loose, don't they? It's like the sticks they are do. just, they flop around. It, they, they don't pop up straight again. Like perky little nipples, like the Xbox 360 controllers. <laughs> That's what I like. I like perky controllers. There, I said uh, it. Yeah, I want a perky, turgid, erect controller. Absolutely. Not some floppy, flaccid. Yeah, uh, so that's yeah. that's what pisses me off. The couple of things it packs. For the most part, though, 
What a great con. And, you know, it, just the way it's run, I mean, there, anybody who's been to Comic-Con knows Comic-Con can be a pain in the ass. And if you deal with just about anybody on an official level, it's like their job to throw an obstacle in your way. Like if you want to buy a toy yeah, they, they or get a pass. They training at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Total pain in the ass. And packs. Almost to a man, the enforcers were totally helpful at every single turn. And stuff that could have potentially been a pain in the ass was, like, totally easy. It was cool. You know, the, the one thing yeah. that was kind of funny on our behalf. Remember, so on Saturday morning, the, the media is allowed to go in an hour early to check some things out. And so we immediately spent that hour standing in line to check out Duke Nukem Forever, which is finally fucking coming out. But on Allegedly. the way, on the line, we're walking in with all the other press, and the three guys from the Totally Rad Show, Alex, Dan, and Jeff, were like being held out by security because they had guest badges because they were doing a panel instead of media badges. And they're like <laughs> shuffling us on in while these people who are actually celebrities are being held outside. And I was just like, oh man, that's so brutal. I almost yeah, felt bad. Line is like, hey, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, I, I almost felt bad, but it was it was kind of cool. <laughs> anyway, what were some of the th- your favorite moments of PAX? The, one of my favorite moments of PAX was when we were playing Mortal Kombat, the new Mortal Kombat game, and I I delivered this crunching blow to Steve's head, <laughs> and it the, the game like stops, goes into bullet time, and does an x-ray of what's happening to Steve's skeletal system (laughs) as my fist just, like, punches through his skin and bones and just completely uh, annihilates him. Yeah, That was fun. The new Mortal Kombat is taking those finish him moves just to a whole new level now. That That wasn't even a finishing move. That was just a punch to the head. I think it was. I thought that was at the end of a round. Yeah, but that wasn't the finishing move. It wasn't the... Finish him. That's like where you grab the guy's bowels and pull him out his nose and then, like, <laughs> piss in his brain pan. Those are the finishing, you know. Yeah, I don't know. What about you? What what was what was the highlight you? know, for you? okay. So, so for people who haven't been to PAX, big video game convention. So they've got the normal stuff. They've got, like, big rooms where they're presenting new games. And it's kind of like E3, but it's E3 for... You know, gamers. So anybody can go up and play, you know, demo all the new games that are going to be coming out, you know, this year, next year. But they also have panels, you know, with different gaming folks. And then they have rooms, like like Gord mentioned before when we talk about StarCraft. They have like a PC LAN room where you can go and you can play games. They had this console room where you could go and check out stuff. Like they had just every Xbox 360, every PS3 game you could think of, every Wii game, Rock Band set up. Any gaming you want, and you go and you just, you know, give them your driver's license and check out a game for a half hour. And we played Blur. That was so damn much fun. I had an yeah, absolute... Yeah, you hadn't played Blur before. I hadn't played it, no. And I just loved it. That was so much fun sitting there playing, you know, taking a half hour from wandering away, from wandering around the show and doing something like that, just gaming. And there's lots of opportunities to do that. I mean, we'd be standing in line to get in the morning or in a panel and we, we were rocking the DSs, man, playing a little Mario Kart. Yeah. Head well, to head. We that, our own DSs. Yeah, well, but, I mean, that was, that was awesome. You know, also, the, the, the leveling up thing was kind of fun. They had this thing this year where you would go, there was like a punch card, and you would have to go to different places, kind of like a gamer scavenger hunt. You know, attend a panel in this building, and you'd have to go and, and play a video game here and do different things. And you get your card punch, and at the end of it, you, each, each thing, you got 10 XP. 
And at the end of it, you leveled up and you got like this little zipper pull thing that said 100 XP from PAX, which was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. You know, because I, I yeah. saw I saw some stuff that I wouldn't have seen normally. Oh, uh, what else? How is your zipper pull, Steve? You, you really put forth it's a lot pretty, of effort to get It's that pretty thing. sweet. Um, the, it said it was going to be sweet ass. Is it sweet ass? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, okay. The music. Um, again, I enjoyed the Friday night concert for the most part. Anamanaguchi <laughs> played. They kicked ass. Metroid Metal kicked ass. And then on Sunday, Metroid Metal, they, they played this big stage at Benaroya Hall. I don't know. How many people do you think that does that place seat? Uh, a million. <laughs> Maybe not. Thousands, though, certainly. Anyway, and then we got to see him like in the jam space right up close in this little room. And totally kick-ass show both times. It was a lot of fun. So Yeah, it was like seeing them playing in a dorm room. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was not a large space at all. There were, what, like 30 people in it? I mean, it was that was cool. And they're a kick-ass band, so it was great to see them, you know, the juxtaposition of the big stage with the light show, and then, you know, rocking the same tunes and kicking just as much ass. The, the jam space set was all request. So that was really cool. Yeah, was, they just got out there like, all right, what do you want to hear? All requests set, go. Yeah, and, you know, fans are yelling stuff out, and they just started rocking it. It was awesome. I wish we had gotten to stay. We had an appointment we had to get to, so we didn't get to stay for all of it. But that was badass. I really enjoyed it. The, the only thing yeah, about I, the I'm Friday ready. night concert. Okay. I This is probably <laughs> going to piss off a lot of fans, but there's this band called the hey. Proto Men that opened the set that I had never heard of before. I was really looking forward to, you know, the concert as a whole, having seen both Metroid Metal and Anamanaguchi last year opening for MC Frontalot. Uh, I really had a great time at that show. And so I, we see the, the, the Proto Men, and they, they have, like, I guess it's a band that's kind of, their whole mythos is around the story of the Mega Man games. So it's like Dr. Wily and Dr. Light and all this stuff. And they've got the helmet and the big power gun and interesting light show and guys walking around with knives and clearly very in-depth. But the music is like this warmed-over 70s Springsteen-y golden earring kind of thing that I just, I hated. I absolutely hated watching that band. The only thing that made watching that band tolerable was watching the crowd be so into it. It was like falling into a completely other world watching this really marginal music, not like offensive, bad, or, and not like hard to digest, just really, really marginal music with mostly marginal musicians playing it, and then turning around and seeing all these people fist-pumping Singing out every word with the band, practically crying. It, I mean, they were just into it. And it was one of those moments where I just feel like I don't understand what... I felt the same as when I walk into the room and my wife is watching like Real Housewives from New Jersey or something. And I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck <laughs> you know, is this even on anything at all? This couldn't even be a podcast. How is this happening? Their thing was they, like, paint their faces silver and want to be David Bowie, like, in the depths of a really bad drug experience or something. Yeah. That, I, I mean, people clearly love them, but I just, I did not really enjoy that. Fortunately, Anamanaguchi and Metroid Metal more than made up for it. Although it would have yeah. been nice to see the mini-bosses. Ahem. <laughs> 
So Gordy, yeah, well, Gordy just like I'm, got I'm an old man. A little tired. You're such a puss. I needed my beauty rest. Like I would have given a fuck if you had just slept through the mini bosses and let me watch them, but no, I want to go home. God, I I needed my blankie. Just fucking pathetic. Anyway, so. <laughs> All right, but you know, as disappointing as it was for you, I'm sure to miss the mini bosses. You got to admit, going and seeing, even if it's not real, going and seeing <laughs> and playing allegedly. Duke Nukem Forever, which is supposed to be released in 2011, that was pretty hot. I mean, we we played the level, we got the T-shirt, we, we had the picture we, yeah, taken. We literally got the T-shirt. <laughs> we got our picture yes. taken. But perhaps one of the most disturbing photos you've ever seen. Go to the Bone Bat page for a gander at that. Yeah, yeah, and that was a lot of fun. What we got to see was that was uh, cool. The the game starts with him pissing in the urinal. You get to test out the joystick action by waving your whiz around <laughs> to the left and right. And it just, it's that kind of game right there. <laughs> I guess I understand there's that chicks, if you there's if you stay too long in the urinal, he goes, hey, this isn't a pissing game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you, you, uh, you walk out of there, you do a couple of things, and then you end up in a new version of the football field level where you're yeah. running around. With the the big ass cannon, shooting this giant behemoth monster, it, it was so much fun. But with like you know, obviously much better graphics than back in the day. You know, there was more than maybe eight pixels used on the monster. Yeah, it yeah. was just fun. And then, then you it, drive a pickup truck around and run guys over and shoot other guys. Be a pickup yeehaw. a rocket launcher, start shooting some more aliens. That I had a great time playing it. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's maybe not the graphics were maybe not quite as good as like the really top of the line stuff right now. I don't know if it was like yeah, but, and there's nothing that's going to make an 11 year wait for a game. The the game is never going to be good enough to look right, to the right. It just can't. But the 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 sheer fun of it was all there, and I think it's going to be a good time. I'm definitely looking forward to it. What did they say? 2011. That's what they said. I'll believe it. Like. Probably never even. I'll you never you won't it. even believe it. I'll after. buy the game. <laughs> I'll play the game. I'll get tired of playing the game. I'll pick it up again a year later and play it some more, and I still won't actually believe the game's out. <laughs> it has been a while. Well, I mean, talk about, you know, I was mentioning StarCraft, games that we got our money out of. Gordon and I played a shitload of Duke Nukem back in the day, specifically that level Spin Cycle. Yeah. Oh, man, that was so much fun. Shrinking each other. Oh, remember that time Stomping each other. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Blasting each other <laughs> with missiles. I mean, just constantly. We played that for hours. That was so much fun. So I'm glad to see it back. I got to say. Yeah, me too. So what else? Um, what else? You played uh, Dead Space 2. That looked like another one of those games that you like and I don't. Freaking amazing graphics. It looked fantastic. I, I kind of just screwed the pooch on the demo. I wasn't playing it very well. Again, I, I don't know. I couldn't get the hang of the controls, really. So I kept getting killed over and over and over again, and I never really got to any of the really cool monsters or anything like that. And I kind of eventually yeah, just gave up. but it looks up. like that. What's that game where you went, you go to hell? The Dante's Inferno game? Well, yeah. It looked a lot like that. It was just yeah. really amazing graphics. But and it's scary. But it's a first-person shooter as opposed to a 
top-down fighting game, I guess. Yeah, but it was still the same thing. You're still on a track. You're going to go here and fight this monster, and the monster fights you like X, and you're going to go there. No, no, it's not at all. It's a first-person shooter. This combination it's like, of buttons. To... It's like Doom 3. It's not a, It's not on a track at all. Yeah, Doom 3 was pretty much on a track. I mean, you, you went a certain way. There was no... Well, I mean, you complete a no level, choices. but it's you have choices of which ways to go. It's not... When you say something's on a track, you think it's like a rail shooter or something like that, and it's not that. I don't know. It, it just—it seemed like something you'd be into, and I would. Yeah, I play. I enjoyed the the first game. I actually never finished. I played the first half of it, and then I think Left 4 Dead came out or something, and I kind of lost my attention on that one. But I still own it. I didn't sell it, so it's probably something I'd like to go back and finish the story. the The story was kind of cool. I remember, so I, I kind of enjoyed that, but. You know, when we also uh, played a little bit of, uh, or didn't play it, but we saw Dead Rising 2. You know, that's another game that, like, it sort of looks really cool, and the, like, it's got this these weapon combinations. It's a zombie fighting game, kind of a first-person sort of a thing, with a big story where you're in kind of a, I guess, a casino shopping mall sort of a deal. And basically anything that you find is a weapon. And then this in this version, in Dead Rising 2, you can combine different things to make, you know, combo weapons like nail bat or chain chainsaw on a stick or whatever. But doesn't have like kind of oddly stiff animation when the guy's running? I have zero interest in that game. I don't know. I, I mean, at it and it just again, did not inspire off of, me to want to do anything. You know, coming off of games like uh, Call of Duty or Left 4 Dead, it just seems the animation seems really stiff. It kind of almost takes me out of the game. To see the way the guy runs. I don't know why that is. Yeah, if it was a $10 Xbox Live Arcade game, maybe. But You know, speaking of games, I did not get a, give a shit at all about Killzone 3. Yeah, not only did I not care about that game, <laughs> the t-shirt I got is too small. <laughs> yeah, it was just like this kind How of... How do you have a t-shirt that's too small for me? Boring, dark, murky, first-person shooter with... Like, bad controls because it's on the PS3. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy that at all. Are we going to get PS3 hate mail? You know what I did kind of so. dig, though? Tron what? Evolution. Yeah, Tron was Tron looked pretty fun. Once again, another game, though, where you're kind of like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you're kind of on a rail. Die 85 times when you try to jump across the walls. But still, it looked beautiful, and the light cycles were ass-kicking. Yeah, well, you know, there's a tradition to that, though. I mean, in the original Tron game, the light cycle level was awesome, the tank maze was pretty cool, and the other two levels yeah. were kind of, eh. So maybe that's, you know, the way this game will be, too, is some levels will be absolutely kick-ass, and some of it, the kind of running, jumping, running on sideways on walls and stuff like that, defying gravity is going to be kind of, you know... It's there for variety, but not necessarily as compelling as what you come for, which I think is probably the light cycle segments. Yeah, light cycles and tanks. And then throw that little hoopy thing around and, and knock people out with that thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah, well, we've got I guess it. I liked everything except the running around on the walls. <laughs> All right, well, we've got a little interview with uh, one of the designers of Tron Evolution, so let's take a listen to that. All right, we're here at the Tron booth with... Keith Michaelis, a producer at Disney Interactive Studios. And we're taking a look at this. This game is amazing. Gordon is rocking the light cycles right now. So tell us about the game, man. Yeah, the game is a prequel to the movie. And so you've been sent in by Flynn as a program to find out what's happening. There's been a virus that's been uh, plaguing the Tron world. 
So you get thrown into this world, and you know soon you start to see who's behind it and what you need to do to you know to save everybody. And what's great is about all the events, all the people you meet here, they eventually get referenced in the movie. So when you watch the movie and you played the game already, when they make references and stuff, you'll be like, hey, wait a second, I did that. I was the one that killed so-and-so or saved so-and-so, or I'm the one that helped, you know, make this happen. So it's a way to kind of expand the fiction of the Tron world. And the demo you guys are playing takes place about two hours after the beginning of the game. So right now the systems, I mean, they know about you, they're on to you, they're trying to stop you from unraveling the plans and that's in place. So right now we're on the light cycle. Uh, definitely not a little bit of an upgrade from the original Tron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the right angles you'll find up in multiplayer. Evidently you can't turn it off. No. <laughs> Oh, there's the walls. Awesome. Yeah, one's up the walls. Ah! Whoa. Oh, no. like you're gone. So, so when they, they blink a little bit, you can still go through them. It's only solidified? Yeah, that one looked like it was, yeah, you got lucky. It wasn't solidified, it got to sneak through. You can, you can rub them a little bit if you're not going too fast, but when you're going too fast, you're just going to die instantly. That is cool. very close with the filmmakers we want to make sure that we're on par with you know what they presented for the new Tron world in their movie uh, so propaganda our developer up in uh, Vancouver spent a lot of time with them not only again with the story and the fiction but also the look to make sure that we're gonna provide our you know our fans a really cool Tron experience a Tron controller that looks like the game what's in my hand right now I'll definitely get a picture of that and post on the side that is cool Look out for that. Oh. Oh. That's going to leave a mark. Gord de And while you're playing, you don't gain too much experience while you're in the light cycle mode, but you guys will start to see every swap. If you kill one of the light cycles, you'll gain some experience. You can start to level up your character and upgrade him how you seem fit. And what's cool is that however you upgrade your person, when you go to multiplayer mode, all those upgrades carry with you. Oh, that's cool. So let's say right. if you're like, hey, I'm really into ranged combat and I need some extra defense. I want to upgrade my defensive. If that's how I play, fine, focus on that, go to multiplayer, and then all that comes with you. So there's definitely a perk system. Yes. Cool. And the multiplayer and the single player, we actually have kind of seamless. When you go to these little kiosks to update yourself, you can also jump into multiplayer right then and there, play for a little bit, then you're like, okay, I'm back, you're ready to go to the story. When you're done, you exit out and go right back in the story and continue right where you left off. Oh, a short attention span like me. <laughs> you're almost Whoa. done. You're almost done. Watch out for the tanks. In our multiplayer levels, we have like the normal, you know, combat running around, but you also have light cycles and we also have tanks you can jump in. So those are all mixed together. <laughs> Player mode. When that first recognizer comes across, you first hear the sound, the, boom, 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 yeah, the rumble. You hear that, and you're like, oh no! And then there it comes. It's, it's an awesome feeling. Just yeah, you th it throws you back to the original movie. So when is the game coming out? You guys have a date? Yep, sure do. December 7th of this year, and about a week prior to the movie. Oh, perfect. This is time for Christmas. This is time for Christmas.
I appreciate you showing us the game. It's a lot of great stuff. We're looking forward to seeing the final product. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming and joining. Uh, December 7th, uh, keep your eyes out for it. Thank you. Thank you. Got it, guys. All right, so that was Tron. Dude, those controllers were insane. Those controllers were insane. I would love to have one of those controllers, but you know it would eat the battery too fast. Check out the uh, Bone Bat page for a picture. Basically, the Xbox controllers and Wii controllers have like glowing blue neon bars on them, which looked so freaking sweet. So I oh, guess the game uh, 
Tron Evolutions is supposed to be out from Propaganda Games and Disney on December 7th, uh, leading right into the movie, which happens on 12-17. So keep an eye peeled for that. So a couple other cool games we saw. Uh, we checked out Horde from Big Sandwich Games, which was kind of hey, fun. Hey, Horde is a cool game. That was a cool game. That is a cool idea. The idea is you are a dragon, and you're trying to collect treasure added to your Horde. You're capturing princesses. You're burning knights. It's basically a top-down, fly-around, blow stuff up. It's a it's an inverted tower defense game because you are the creeps that are going around, and the towers are popping up around you, and you've got to defeat them. And it, as the game goes on, your opponents get stronger and stronger, and there's there's all kinds of giants and knights and mages and stuff to catch on fire and other dragons and multiplayer it's cool check it out yeah that's, and it was it was co-op right. you could play up to four people co-op and that was fun four swooping dragons around. co-op yeah you're, you're you know swooping around with other guys okay there's this like princess caravan so let's all attack attack it at once you know that kind of thing and it was fun the only thing that sucked about it is it's coming in late september on the playstation network oh it's not an xbox game no playstation but it is it looks like from what he was saying it is at some point going to be like you know steam or pc it will be available somehow on the pc eventually but initially it's coming out for playstation it's It's dead to me (laughs) also we got to check out torchlight 2 from runic games another game that's added co-op now i've been playing a ton of torchlight this is one of these games that i meant to check out and i finally got a hold of it about a month ago and Man, that game is just a time suck. It's so much fun. You never yeah, get tired of it. It's basically a better version of Diablo. It's all the fun stuff with Diablo without all the frustrating crap. But Instead some... of accumulating a whole bunch of horde of stuff and then having to trudge back to your treasure chest in town, you can send your pet to take care of it for you. <laughs> that is, That was a really cool touch. It's just a lot of fun. And it, it definitely scratches that itch for, you know, Dungeon Crawl Mayhem. It's, it's a good, a yeah, hell of a game. Yeah, Dungeon Crawler that doesn't bore you. I liked it. And to be able to do that co-op, that's going to be even more fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So keep an eye peeled for that one. Uh, also, spring 2011. So, man, spring 2011 is going to cost some people some money. Woo! Yeah, I need a lot to of good games now. coming. So, a couple of music titles I played at the show. First off was uh, one called Power Gig, Rise of the Sixth String. And that's this kind of rock bandish game with a really cool guitar controller. It actually has strings on it. And so you play it in the same way like Rock Band. So you're playing the frets as a button, but you, there are strings there too. So you have to hit the strings for the uh, notes to sound. Which is cool because you can actually build up calluses for really playing guitar by playing this game. I, I could see that being It's only kind of one a, step away from the next level of these, these music games where you actually just go and learn to play a goddamn instrument. <laughs> exactly. But I thought that was pretty cool. It was a, a neat peripheral. The only thing about that game that wasn't as cool was I did not love the song list. The only thing that I kind of even recognized was like there was one Smashing Pumpkins tune. So I don't think they have the music licensing quite there yet. But, you know, that, yeah, that's... Yeah, you know who does? You know who's got the song list for these games? Is that other one you played, the... Uh, Instant Jam. What was Jam. that called? Instant Jam? Yeah. Holy crap, that was cool. So Instant Jam is a game that's actually on Facebook for absolutely free. You plug any Guitar Hero or Rock Band controller into your USB port of your computer. You can play it. And basically what Instant Jam does is it goes into your song library 
and you can play songs that you already own. So if you own Enter Sandman by Metallica and it's on your computer, you just sync them up and you can play it. So it's pretty cool because you're not buying new tracks. You're just playing the stuff that you have. Now, the one pain in the ass about that game is that the music finding function is kind of convoluted and time-consuming. If you happen to have your music on different drives like I do, basically I have to go to that other drive for each song and find it individually. It doesn't seem to be smart enough to just go through, once you say find an album for it, to go through that whole album and add that album to your playlist. You have to go in with each... Oh, so it's like it's like iTunes. Yeah, yeah, a lot like that. So the, it's a little that's, bit of a pain. That's frustrating. It's a little bit of a time-consuming pain in the ass getting your music set up. But once it's set up, it's a lot of fun. I've probably already put in like three hours playing that and really enjoyed it. You're, you're playing songs that you know. As I understand it, some of the, the charts will be user-generated. So you can like actually vote on, okay, this is a good version of Enter Sandman. This one sucks. And so, theoretically, the cream will rise to the top, and you'll be playing like the best versions of these. It is actually a little bit harder than Rock Band on like the medium level. I found that that was definitely the case. But really fun. And, you know, it definitely scratches the itch. I mean, for me... Rock Band, as a band thing, is its own thing. So this isn't going to replace, you know, me sitting there with my family or my friends knocking out a set of tunes. But it does replace... Yeah, but if you're like a total loser and you have no <laughs> friends and you're just like at home in your mom's basement and maybe the only people you know are... Well, this is the thing. Like, nobody wants, to, nobody wants to sit in the living room and play fucking Slayer with me. So this is perfect for that. I can, you know put in the hardcore metal songs that I want to listen to, jam out, and have a great time doing that on Instant Jam. So it definitely scratches that itch for the single-player Guitar Hero antics. So I dig it. Well, Check it out. You. And the price is great. Free. What the hell? Yeah, you can't beat that. No way. All right. So uh, one other big highlight for us was Portal 2. Portal 2. Really looking forward to this game. Big fan of Portal 1. We've got Eric. Yeah, Portal was great. We've got a quick interview here with Eric and Chet of Valve Entertainment to discuss both that and the upcoming downloadable content for Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. So let's give a listen to that. All right, Stephen Gord here at PAX 2010, and I'm here with Eric and Chet from Valve. How you doing, guys? Doing great, yeah. thanks. Awesome. So we just got to sit through the very cool uh, feature for Portal 2. That was really neat. The, the features in that game, it looks like they're going to be an absolute blast. Well, we're showing uh, at PAX the co-op today, uh, which is a, a pretty cool new feature. Four portals, two portal guns, two players. A uh, whole different separate track from the single player campaign that's about twice as long as Portal 1. So it's a, it's a fully featured mode. I was watching the uh, videos online, and man, this game looks like it's going to be tough. It is actually not going to be that tough. We've got the same design philosophy we had in Portal 1, which is, it may look tough. If you look at some of the later puzzles of Portal 1 without any preparation, you're like, holy crap, I cannot do that. But we will take you slowly, hold your hand, get you up to speed. We will not throw a puzzle at you that we have not prepared you for. So you'll be surprised. By the time you get to the tough-looking stuff... Uh, you will be up to the challenge. Yeah, but you're not going to be saddled with Gord rat-fucking you in co-op. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, picking someone who isn't an idiot to be your partner is not my responsibility. So, yeah. There's no anti-idiot mode? No. Now, related to that, are you going to be able to uh, play co-op mode online? Yeah. 
Okay, so it's not just co-op with Steve sitting on the couch next to me. No, trying although, to punch I mean, that's him. a great way to play. You will be able to do that on the 360 and PS3. We'll have split screen. But uh, in all, across all platforms, there will be uh, co-op over the Internet. Excellent. Uh, and so what is the projected release date at this point? It's February 9th, 2011, and uh, PC, Mac, Xbox 360, PS3. Actually, Eric personally guarantees that date. Yeah, yeah. 100% guaranteed. All right. Uh, if it doesn't come out that day, we go to your house and talk to you. Yeah. Well, you you'll you can help me move because I'll be fired at that point. So you guys can uh, move my washer. Right, Steve has a truck. All right. I live oh, in Redmond. It do can you? Happen. Actually, you live in Redmond and have a truck? You, you may actually get some, some work then. All right. And Chad, I understand that there's some more downloadable content for Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 coming out. Yes. Uh, so we've got the DLC coming out called The Sacrifice. And it's actually coming out for both, Left 4 Dead 1 and Left 4 Dead 2. So if you played the passing in Left 4 Dead 2, you got to see that Bill died. you kind of got, like, the aftermath of what happened. Absolutely, yeah. And now you get to find out how that happened. And so in Left 4 Dead 1 and Left 4 Dead 2, you both get to play the passing in Left 4 Dead 1 characters. So it's Left 4 Dead 1 characters and Left 4 Dead 2. In Left 4 Dead 2, we also then said, well, you know, if we're going to move this over, we should move over our all-time favorite map, No Mercy. So that'll be included as well. And then the cool thing is uh, you'll also get to play it on the Mac if you have a Mac. We're going to be releasing our Mac version of Left 4 Dead 2. All right. So when's that coming out? That's coming out October 5th. No, just in time it, for Halloween. Eric guarantees that as well. Wait, just yeah. in time for Halloween? That's 25 days ahead of Halloween. Just in time. Halloween. That's right when we start getting ready for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chet didn't mention the comic book. Oh, yeah. There's a comic book coming up ahead of that to kind of give you the real backstory between what happens from Left 4 Dead 1 to the passing, or the, now the sacrifice, and also give you some backstory on each of the four characters. Oh, cool. Who do you have doing the comic book? It's uh, Michael Loming from Powers fame. Yes. And uh, Jay Pinkerton is uh, writing it up. So. Oh, man. That's a good team. Yeah. Very cool. All right, then. Uh, Chet's already been through the gauntlet, but the question we always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, Eric, what pisses you off, man? Damn, these, uh, these ambush-style questions aren't doing a lot for me. <laughs> He's uh, sweating like yeah. on 60 Minutes, yeah. kind of staring around yeah. wildly. I don't know. What pisses me off? I feel like Mike Wallace and shit. Yeah. I, what did Chet say when you well, asked him? He said you. He said that Eric yeah. guy. I mean, yeah. He said traffic. I'm, oh, I do I do dislike traffic. That's true. I don't like all the traffic around here. You live in Redmond. You know. I live in Kirkland. So, uh Kind of like men in their remote controls and women in shopping. Yeah, I didn't. That was Chet speaking. I didn't say anything about that. I have, uh, as far as I'm concerned, both genders exactly the same. No, no unique characteristics between the two of them. Man, I don't know. Traffic's a good one. I, I can't even think of what I would say that pisses me off that wouldn't get me in trouble. Were you talking about people who dress up at a conventions as your big thing? Oh, no, I wasn't. Ta- love those. He's people. backing away love from them. the microphone. Love them to death. That would be the opposite. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us on the Bone Bat Show. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Thanks. All right, man. Portal Two. Looking forward. It really that is the game I I am anticipating more than any other game out there. That is what I'm looking forward to. As they said, the due date for that one is February 9th, 2011. I I think just playing it co-op is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that as well. Because there's not only, you know, solving really difficult looking puzzles together, but also the opportunity for wanton rat fuckery, <laughs> which is going to be in that game. So that's going to be really yeah, cool. Yeah, th- I honestly am I'm kind of not looking forward to that mode because that could be the end of our friendship. <laughs> Listen, if 
putting together a film festival together hasn't done that, then I don't know what yeah, That's nothing. When I'm telling you for the sixth time, no, no, I want you to put the portal over by that little... Str- and then you, you put the portal in the wrong goddamn place again. And drop you into oblivion. dumping me into the toxic goo. Well, but that's the yeah. thing. This time you have, like, that paint target feature. So you don't have to tell me. You can shoot that on the wall and show me exactly where you want the portal. That's oh, kind you of, think that's going to help? I think this that's is kind what of a it cool is function. When we play Call of Duty together. If you can, Gord, aim- where are you? Look at your mini map. If you can aim a fucking Gord, target, where are you? look at the fucking mini map. You see the mini map? You see me on that map? That's me right there on the other dot. Yeah, but I can't. What? How? I. Oh, it's the dogs. Yeah, that's that's how it goes. <laughs> it's gonna be. Look at the spot. What spot, Gord? There's a lot on the screen. I'm already mad at you. That's that's enough of that. All right, well let's uh, check out a tune. This is one of my favorites from Anamanaguchi from the CD Power Supply. This is Helix Nebula. This is Steve. And this is Gord. 
here at PAX 2010, and joining us right now from the band you've been listening to since the start of the episode, Pete Berkman from Anamanaguchi. How you doing, man? Good. The name is a mouthful. Yes. (laughs) So I got to ask, how did you get inspired to combine the Nintendo with the hard rock guitars? Well, basically, I was in a bunch of bands in high school, and, like, we would always practice in my basement and, like, do cover songs and record it, and, like, we spent one week recording a bunch of Weezer songs on our little four track. When we take breaks, we'd like go play Mega Man X or something and like eat donuts and stuff. And then like one day we were playing Mega Man 2 during one of these recording sessions and I was like, me and my buddy George were like, wait, this song is like amazing, like for the Bubble Man stage. It was like, this sounds like actual real good music, but it's in a video game. And then like one day we decided to cover that. Then like pretty much two weeks afterwards, I found out that you could like make your own NES music. And so... The way that it came about was basically just growing up playing in bands and growing up playing video games. Just kind of merged like that pretty naturally for me. That's pretty cool. So as far as getting the gear together on the Nintendo side, is that a challenge these days? Because, you know, some of that equipment is getting kind of old now. Do you oh, yeah. have, like, just this room full of old NESs? Or how do you do of NESs and NES components yeah. weld together. I've got, I've got a bunch of uh, NESs from, you know, like a bunch of friends that give me theirs because, like, they're like, I don't use this. And I was like, sweet. But, um, yeah, like... Our setup is constantly evolving. I've been doing this since, like, late 2003, and, like, we, we still don't have the ideal setup. We're getting pretty close, but, like, it's taken us, like, seven years to, like, pretty much perfect almost what, like, we can actually play live with and assume it won't break while we're playing. <laughs> and refine the sound. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So one of the things I'm really taken with about you guys is that although you have, you know, there's the cool electronic sound, but the band is so organic. Particularly your drummer is a wild man. Totally. He just adds that that factor to the music that I just love. Well, he's really what grounds it and makes the sound real. It's what it, it's what takes it from being an NES and then some guitars to being a band. Totally. There was a while when we were playing without a drummer for like a couple of years actually, and then we met Luke, uh, and he he like knew the songs better than I did basically, and he could like play whatever, and it would sound amazing. But yeah, I mean. I listen to, like, a ton of rock music. Like, I mean, I grew up listening to all kinds of weird rock music and all kinds of other weird music, but... We all did. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah. But, yeah, um, Luke, you know, comes from a very, very interesting background. He listens to, like, a lot of math rock. He's, like... He was in, like, a thousand different bands in Los Angeles where he grew up. And then um, he's just, like, one of the most positive dudes I know. And, like, he was a perfect fit for, like, our sense of humor and, like, our just, like, general bro-ship. And like, and he, yeah, he's a complete animal on the drums, and we are so so lucky to have him. Additionally, I have to say your music is perhaps the happiest music since ska. I can't, think, <laughs> I can't think of any other music that, that will is put a smile on my face quicker. Yeah, happy without being saccharine, without being too sweet to want to throw up. It's happy for the sake of happy. Well, that ass kickingly joyful. Basic wins for the sake of win is pretty much a, a common theme. Andrew WK is awesome, Party Hard, that whole philosophy, that's kind of like, you know, that's very much what we're about, you know, just very positive all the time, like, I'm, I'm a generally very, very happy dude, I mean, I can get sad, sure, if you want me to get a little sad, but yeah, no, I mean, like, the, some of the songs definitely are a little bit more emotional and, like, kind of, like, ground that whole element, and, like, but yeah, we're, we're all about fun, that's, like, what it comes down to. 
That's Definitely. cool. So kind of just run through your catalog real quick. You had Power Supply was your first release. Yep, I did that in high school in my basement by myself. <laughs> That's really not what I did in high school in my basement. <laughs> 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 which in that, that uh, album also features the fantastic uh, Helix Nebula, which mm-hmm. we just heard. Uh, and then after that was Don Metropolis, right. which I first heard you guys at PAX last year at the concert. And I immediately had to buy that CD because it, it's awesome. that fucking good. So then now you've got the soundtrack to the Scott Pilgrim video game, which right. is really cool. You guys are blowing up. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> the whole Scott Pilgrim video game thing is, like, it's such a break in the, like, space-time continuum thing because it's like, we're making music with video game consoles that's not video game music, really, but then now it is video game music because it's in a video game, but it's still not video game music. And, like, it's hilarious. I mean... It's, it's tremendously meta. Yeah, it's, it's beyond postmodern. It's post-postmodern or something like that. you're using a video game to make the music for a video game that you can't play the game on. Exactly. Yeah. There's, so there's like, so many different, like, angles of influence at play. It's, like, you, you have no idea what's, like informing what at that point is insane that's fantastic so what's you may have divided by zero (laughs) (laughs) we aim to divide by zero at all times so what's next for Ana Madaguchi well we're going to be working on a full album that kind of uh displays like a kind of wide range of styles I guess like up until this point up well actually up until the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack I pretty much wrote everything uh, except for one track on Don Metropolis, Mermaid, which is like so awesome. Uh, that was written by Ari. But now um, Luke is writing, our drummer, and Ari's writing, our other guitarist, and um, we're like really, really excited. I think we want to just put out something that's like huge, like a wide, wide, wide variety of stuff. Like, I, I don't know, like maybe like our melancholy and the infinite sadness, if you will, like a double disc <laughs> of just like everything that we could possibly make. That would be tremendous. Yeah. All right. Well, one last question. We always ask everyone who is a guest on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, man? Not that... Well, I don't know. A lot of things definitely piss me off, but I can also deal with a lot of things. Things that piss me... If I were to say... Ah! One thing that pisses me off... Oh, man. I mean... You see, I, this is such a happy fucking convention. We've asked this question, and everybody's like, I don't know. I'm at PAX. What, what could possibly piss me off? <laughs> they is, get into this mental stutter step where they think they know where they're going to go. They, eh, no, no. I, I at Comic-Con, you. people were pissed. Oh, at PAX, it's a, it's a mellow groove. No, I, yeah, it is a mellow groove. I, I'm trying to think of something that makes me pissed. And, like, yeah, I, I started this day off pretty poorly, but I'm over it, and I'm having a good time. So a lot of things will make me pissed temporarily. But in the end, it's all good. So I guess nothing. I, I thought I had. I thought I had something. <laughs> I watched this man stand in front of about I don't know seven thousand fans. Everyone's ready to rock. Massive equipment failure, not his own equipment per se. But <laughs> standing up there on the stage, things are breaking down around him. Can't get him fixed. He refused to get pissed off. He just said, "Oh fuck it," and he kept playing. That's right. I I, I suppose that is a testament to all things party. I guess. <laughs> Bravo, so. All right. Bravo. Thanks okay. so much. Well, yeah. Oh, uh, where can guys. we buy your stuff? Uh, right there. Oh, I mean, <laughs> for our listeners who didn't make it to PAX. Then they couldn't see that, or could they, they couldn't right. hear that gesture. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you could travel through the, the audio portal into our exact location. but Just climb into your USB port, folks. Exactly. Well, we have a bunch of free music on onamonaguchi.com. We also have shirts and stuff at onamonaguchistore.bigcartel.com. Just go to onamonaguchi.com. It's got everything. You don't even, whatever. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you very much, Pete. I really you. appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Anytime. Any time ever.
This is Pete from Monomonoguchi, and you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Yeah. All right, this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and I'm here at PAX 2010 with Dave Gator. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Tired. It's Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Third day of the show. Everybody's dragging a little bit. Dave is the lead writer of Dragon Age 2, which uh, i got to say, a huge fan of Dragon Age 1, a big fan of Mass Effect 1 and 2, so I, I really enjoy Bioware's games and, you know, the, the rich storytelling that you guys pull off uh, mixed in with excellent gameplay. Uh, what do you have lined up for Dragon Age 2? Well, we're mixing things up a little bit. I mean, uh, Origins was a great game, really well received, uh, but rather than do more of the same, we thought we'd uh, take some elements of... Uh, elements from Mass Effect that we thought we'd try to incorporate into Dragon Age, do it our style a little bit. We have a player voiceover, uh, so the player has, has a voice, but now uh, we're giving them op- the player options to establish their own personality for the character. Uh, we have a framing narrative, we're telling the story a little bit differently, so rather than uh, you start at the beginning and you're, you're taking every step that the player takes, we, uh, we're telling the story, the story over a longer period of time allows us to, uh, to to jump around a little bit. You can see the reactions of, of your choices immediately rather than waiting until the end of the game. You develop relationships over a longer period of time. And we're, we're sort of ramping up the combat a little bit. Uh, we found the combat in Origins was, was very responsive. So characters did this sort of shuffle up to their opponent and had to get into animation sequence and let, let it made it feel like it was a little bit on the slow side. So we've sort of tightened up the animations a little bit, made it so that uh, uh, the action is a little bit more immediate. And I, I think uh, that combined with the storytelling should make it a, hopefully a better experience. That was what, like the one thing with Dragon Age 1 that I, I am more of a first-person shooter guy than an MMO guy. And so the micromanage of, if you forgot rushing into the zombie town to point everybody at somebody to fight, you were jacked. Yeah. Our tech designers have been working on the AI to make, make the companions, they're, you, they're able to work on their own. The commentary so far has been that uh, the companions are very able oh, to, cool. to figure out how things are going. So, But for those people who want to, you can switch between your characters still and, and uh, engage in tactical combat, give them orders. You can give them movement orders on the console now. So you, you can micromanage if you want to, but we want to allow people who just want to jump into the action to, to do that as well. And cool. not, not think that they're missing out by not micromanaging. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this game. So when you, when is it coming out? Uh, March 8th in North America. Fantastic. All right, well, thank you very much for your time, David. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us on the Bone Bat Show. Cool. Thank you very much. All right, once again, that was the new single, Aurora, this summer. Uh, Anamanaguchi has put out a number of free singles on their website, anamanaguchi.com, and you can download that one for absolutely free right there. Thanks again to Pete for the interview. And after that, we heard David Gator, the head writer for BioWare's Dragon Age 2. And uh, it was really cool to be able to talk to him. You remember uh, back in, I don't know, end of last year, I reviewed a couple of books that were like the Dragon Age books. I was playing Dragon Age 1, and the game was like sucking my life away. I was playing a shitload of it. And then I read a couple of novels based on it. And I didn't put it two and two together. But the head writer is the author of these two books, The Calling and The Stolen Throne. How cool is that? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. I, I didn't realize his name because I interviewed him. I'm like, David Gator, why did I know that name? And then I realized he was the author, and so I went back later and I said, Dude, I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't say anything, but your your books, I really enjoyed them. Thank you so much for doing that. So that, that was really cool. It was kind of neat to actually meet him. That game, I, I know this isn't going to appeal to you much, 
But one of my biggest problems with Dragon Age, as I mentioned in the interview, was the combat system. And so it sounds like they're bringing over some of the combat features from Mass Effect 2 into the Dragon Age world. So you don't have to quite micromanage your party so much, which will make the gameplay a little smoother in combat. So I'm looking forward to that. That game. Yeah, that's good, because the combat's the only part of Mass Effect 2 that I actually like. <laughs> the game will be out March 8th, 2011, is currently the date, so keep an eye peeled for Dragon Age 2. It's not just the money that's going to be spent in the first part of 2011. It's the total loss of productivity as a nation we are going to experience. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get anything done with just a couple of new games. Yeah, Everything's coming out. So what else are you looking forward to? Well, they, they don't have a specific date yet for it, other than not 2010, but I, I admit I am looking forward to Battle Block Theater, the Behemoth game. Yeah. Yeah, I wish that's, they'd that's nail that down. Fun. But uh, Yeah, that's that's a blast. I don't really understand what else they have to do. It looks done. It's not like they got to work on their pixel shading four-dimensional graphics or whatever. It's, but every time they're like adding new game modes and stuff. Yeah, I guess that probably takes. But anyway, yeah, that was that was a cool game. Uh, of course, uh, that's another Xbox Live game that uh, is going to be fantastic. I think. What else we got? Um, we played Rascals, which is kind of a rip off of Battle Block Theater, as far as I'm concerned. Looks cute as hell, little guys with skull heads. But you basically, it's like uh, you take a Tetris board and you stick that Tetris board in a mine shaft, <laughs> and then you blast down through the tetanus board to try to get to the bottom of the mine. The tetanus board? Yeah. <laughs> Did I say tetanus? <laughs> How about tetanus? <laughs> yeah, that would a, be something else. Yeah, when entirely. you start frothing at the mouth, you know you're almost to the end of the level. No, that's rabies you're thinking of. Oh. Tetanus is the one where you get locked jaw. Locked you can't open your mouth. I know it was something with your mouth. You got it. Never mind. Anyway. But it's always something with my mouth. <laughs> see what else we uh we stopped by the nintendo booth played uh donkey kong country returns a little bit which is supposed to be out in the fourth quarter of this year that was kind of fun it looks like something to sit down with the kids and, and knock through it was it was enjoyable very candy colored yeah. animation and as, as you'd expect from you know a, a game like that from nintendo it was fun you know what kind of left me cold just is basically we what what left me cold that new metroid game I, I really yeah, enjoyed. I had really no desire for that one either. Last year after PAX, I was like itching to play something that I hadn't played, and I went out and bought Metro Prime Trilogy for the Wii, and just loved that game. That was so much fun because it was like souped up nicer versions of the GameCube games, and so that the whole first but, uh, person pu puzzle solving thing I really enjoyed. But the top down version of that and that new game, the other M, I I'm just not feeling it. I, I don't think I'll be buying that one. Yeah, you know, oh, you know what left me cold What's that? was the 3D. I played, what did I play? Uh, Ruse in the super high-end 3D on your computer where the special glasses. And the 3D effect kind of works. Sometimes it works neat. It's, it's kind of neat. you got like a menu floating above the battlefield yeah. that you can work. But just as often as it works, it doesn't work yeah. where you've got... Uh, double vision and you're trying to play the game and you still have to wear the stupid glasses and it costs like an arm and a goddamn leg to install yeah because you need you need a video card a monitor and glasses so you're looking easy four to five hundred dollars for a 3d setup for your computer and the problem is you're you're like in this kind of you know tank battle stretching out into the distance 
so your eyes are adjusted spatially to this, and then this little window pops up in the front of the frame to tell you something, and you can't fucking read it because it's in the wrong plane of your vision. Yeah, so the technology, not there. Yeah, that was... Maybe it will be one day. Maybe they're going to look back on this 3D thing as just this horrific experiment that everyone kind of tried to buy into, and it was just, it was all a big mistake. <laughs> well, I think what they... Come on, do you really want to put on special glasses to use your computer? Well, what if, though, what if you went out and you had to buy, say, drop 50 bucks on one pair of good 3D glasses that were, like, made for your eyes? So people like me, like, Julie and I went and saw Piranha 3D, and I wear glasses. I forgot to put contacts in. And so it's just fucked up having to wear 3D glasses over glasses. It never, ever works right. Yeah, but I don't think when you're talking about a game like this, you should really have to worry about people. Right, well, what I'm saying is you go out, you spend like 50 bucks or whatever on a pair of glasses prescription for you, 3D, personalized, and then those work for for movies, video games, whatever. It's like you just, you know, you have a uniform kind of 3D, and that would work for everything. I think that would be a cool thing. Okay, let me ask you something, Steve. Yeah. How many times have we been on vacation somewhere where you've lost your freaking glasses? Once. Okay, so half the time we've gone on vacation. No, you lost them at PAX, too. I mean, at uh, Comic-Con, too. No, I didn't. Did you have some glasses issue down there? No. No? No. I could have sworn you did. You're full of shit. You broke them or you, you fell on no, them. No, not at you, all. You, like, gave them to the or something. I'm just saying, that's just one more thing to keep track of. Just to use your computer, that's more than I want to deal with. I, I can see that. Let's see, what else? Oh, another game that you weren't too impressed with, but I dug the shit out of was And Yet It Moves. A Wii yeah, game. Yeah, that was great. Which is it's like this Wii puzzle game that I thought was supremely creative. It's done kind of with this collage paper, torn paper art. It looks absolutely different. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, like a platformer where you can jump and run, but you also can freeze time and turn the entire world so that you can solve the end of the puzzle. And it's really interesting. I was playing that. I really enjoyed it. And I, I frankly, I'm, I'm at a loss as to why you don't like this game more. Uh, because it looks boring and it looks crappy. It's not boring at I mean, all. The, the, the actual guy we had pitching us the game is like, well, we didn't have any actual artists that we can employ to make the game, so we sort of tore up some paper and took a picture <laughs> of it. I mean... No, it's, that's crap. a different and style. It looks just that bad. It does not look terrible. I think it looks cool. It looks different. It's it's got a unique well, look to it. you didn't have your glasses on. Shit. You know, the thing with you is if it's not a first-person shooter, it's not a fucking racing game, you have no interest in it. You have no like time to sit back and take something slow and solve a puzzle or whatever. With you, Wait, everything has to be theater is everything with you has to be shoot. money shot, money shot, money shot. Well, Battle Block <laughs> Theater is like, what do you play for two minutes and then the level's over? It's very brief. I'm a big fan of Castle Crashers. That that is again uh, brevity. It's hand drawn looking game, slashing. not a first person shooter. Yeah, I I, I couldn't disagree. Portals a puzzle game, and yet it moves. Very cool game, and it's it's like not an expensive thing. It's uh, and available. It looks like on, it's not expensive. It's available on it Steam. It looks like it should come out of a gumball machine. It's available on Wii for like ten thousand points. It's a cool game. You know, I'm not the only one. Matt from Seattle Geekly dug it too. So, you know, to each his own. I guess well, it's I just guess not that your makes taste. It all right, but you know, I, I I really enjoyed it. I, I'm playing it now. I have it at home, and I'm enjoying the game. So check it out. You spent money on that? I did not. I got a review copy. Oh, okay. <laughs>
But still, I mean, it's you're you're out what ten bucks if you buy it. I mean, it's not the cost or is not prohibitive. You can take ten one dollar bills and like a sharpie and color on them and tear them up and put them on your card table, and then kind of move the card table around a little bit, and you get the same effect. Maybe draw a little light chalk guy in the middle. Ooh, look, I'm moving the puzzle. And then you can tape your money back together and go buy something worthwhile. Dude, you're impossible. Let's see, what else did we play? Um, Superhero Squad Online. What did you think about that? It looked like it would be a fun little thing for the kids. Yeah, you know, have you noticed that there's a lot of this sort of thing that they're taking, like these massively multiplayer games down to, like, kid level? So right now, there's Clone Wars is putting out a version of a, a, such a thing like that. Uh, there's this, and there's also uh, Lego Universe, which is a similar kind of thing. So it's kind of interesting to, to extend that concept to children. Because, yeah. you know, they're, they're so good about putting up the computer and video games and walking away. <laughs> but uh, Superhero Squad, the, the graphics are cute. I, I could see Thad spending a lot of time, you know... Oh, I want the different Iron Man armor. You know, changing over for things like that. Playing out little missions. But like, yeah, it was cute. To your point, though, our kids are getting to the age where soon, if not close to already, they'll be outgrowing this sort of thing. But if you have like a four or five-year-old, I think it'd be perfect for them. Yeah, it's definitely not going to work for my ten-year-old and no. probably not for my seven-year-old. A seven-year-old's playing Death's Bank. But I, I think it's a quality game from what we saw. It looked very cool. Oh, yeah, it looked, it looked like a well-done game, a lot of effort in it. A lot of variety right for kids, group. different things that yeah. they can play and do, different kinds of missions. Yeah, you but, can, you know, as Steve said, I'm not interested in anything unless it's like a first-person shooter racing game or the story of Caligula online. So, <laughs> What else did we play? Uh, we played that Hunted game from Bethesda. Did you enjoy that? Which one was that? That one? was the one where you were like this, some elf woman with a huge rack shooting a bow at things. <laughs> oh, right. How could I forget? No, give it a pass. What about uh, End of Nations from Tryon Games? All right, you know, that's a cool idea, and it looked cool, but it did leave me a little bit cold, maybe because I didn't know what I was doing, but it's a massive multiplayer online game, except instead of being a character, you can control a squad of tanks and rocket shooter vehicles, and and you you can develop sort of a a whole arsenal of different vehicles and pick which ones you're going to send out on your mission, and... I like the idea that the number of vehicles you could send out was capped, so if you're just starting the game, you don't go up against a guy that's got 8,000 tanks and you've only got six. Now, it looked cool, but I'm not much for the massive multiplayer online game anyway, so not my cup of tea. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, like, Advance Wars for 40 people at once. <laughs> yeah. What else? Foul Space, dude. You liked that one, didn't you? Ah, uh, that was great. If you're a rooster that gets tired of waking up every morning with the sun, so you hijack a rocket ship, fly to the sun to destroy it, only to discover that it's a giant machine populated by Vikings. And you go around in the sun as a rooster with a rocket launcher or laser gun strapped to your head, fighting Vikings <laughs> inside the sun. And you're powered by coffee. And What's it was kind of like a, a cool sort of like outline of the chicken. It's a coffee-powered cock game is what it is. Well, the, Yeah, and everything's in silhouettes. Yeah. It's black silhouettes on a pretty simple background. Very stark, very cool-looking game. Dug it. Yeah, that was, that was definitely Foul cool. Foul space. 
Let's see. A couple of free games let's talk about. Um, we've got an interview for this Dude, next one. Firefall was completely out of control. <laughs> so we've got an interview with Scott Youngblood, who's the lead designer for Firefall from Red 5 Games. Uh, let's take a listen to that, and then we'll come back and give you our impressions. There are two main areas that we focused on while we were building this game. One was we wanted a rich, robust, cooperative campaign that players can participate in a shared open world space with hundreds of other players at the same time. Not four, not eight, hundreds. And the other thing that we've also included in Firefall is highly competitive multiplayer tournaments and ladders. So all the gear that you've been collecting, the upgrade stuff you do, you get to spread that stuff on the battlefield against other Firefall players. Here I'm wearing what we call our Assault Battle Frame. Battle frames dictate kind of your class in Firefall. There are different types of battle frames ranging from low twitch all the way up to very high twitch. This is our second highest twitch battle frame. Currently I'm wearing the Assault Battle Frame and uh, I want to go and uh, get some Christite so I can upgrade my equipment. And one of the ways that you do that is through the world map which shows you any of the uh, dynamic missions that are around your location. So any one of these I could do, but I'm going to go ahead and mine for Christite. You now, said what dynamic mission, right? What do you mean by dynamic? Dynamic. Other these missions come and go. Okay. So different people can have different dynamic missions, right, depending on where you are and what you're doing. And so you can pop into somebody else's mission and help you can, out? You can. In fact, what I'm doing right here is I'm going to broadcast this mission out to my army and actually ask for other people to come and help me do this. And I can do this right through the main menu. What? I don't have to type in chat, hey, come you know, come help me do this. The game Just doesn't play. kind of like an open call. Yeah. Now, I'm playing by myself, so I probably won't get anybody to respond to this, but you get the idea. Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and do one of these thumper missions. Thumping is how you get resources in tribes. It's one of the methods. Christite is a primary resource, and it's usually underground, so we're going to need a device to help us extract it. But before I can call that device down, I'm going to go ahead and clear this area of any um, bugs that might get in our way. These are called spidrites. Ready to go. We do have jetpacks. You can play in either first or third person. And this is the assault rifle, which is shared amongst all the battle frames. But each frame also has its own custom weapon, which we call a signature weapon. This is the plasma cannon, which shoots out explosive balls. All right, so it looks like the, the area <laughs> looks like the area is mostly clear. So I'm going to go ahead and call the thumper down, leveraging our army technology. Thumpers are actually things that you can upgrade as well to uh, harvest resources faster or more of them. So the thumper, I can put that anywhere, but I'm going to put it here, and it will uh, come down from the sky and appear at our location. All right. So once it starts extracting resources through thumping, it's going to create a lot of noise and attract a lot of attention. So my goal is really to defend this thumper because the creatures are going to start attacking it. Here. That time for a reload. So was doing a little bit of an inspiration for that? For the thumper? Yeah. I'd say it was a happy accident. <laughs> That's cool. All right. The plasma cannon is great at, for uh, dealing out lots of splash damage. It's also upgradable, like everything in Firefall. And there's, a, there's different types of modules that you can get for different weapons that all have different behaviors. So you can really kind of customize how you want your battle frame to play. In addition to my weapons, I also have abilities that are installed into my, uh, my backpack here. So a little bit of melee action. 
Yeah, it's very uh, action oriented. Cool. I like the the creature and the character design. A little bit comic booky. Yeah, real we're colorful. We're going for that kind of manga look. Yeah. We wanted our game to appeal to a worldwide market, and uh, manga is pretty popular. Hey, it's also the, the dark black lines around the outside. Yeah, like the shader. It uh, helps the character pop off the screen. Looks like we got some bigger creatures here. All right, what's that big bruiser? This guy is a terror claw. <laughs> and he's got a buddy here helping him. I'm not gonna have any of that. That'll learn him. All right, looks like things are starting to heat up. So that thumper really creates Critter Central. For oh the yeah, it, it attracts cool. all kinds of attention. This guy is not uh, gonna leave me alone. Ah, well, it looks like it was worth it. He dropped a uh, purple uh, backpack. Now, when I get upgrades like that, I can't use them immediately, so I'll need to take that to a town and uh, use a, a forge to install it into my battle frame. See, it looks like the thumper is full now, so I'm going to try to send it back without getting killed. So that's going to send the thumper back to base. Now I'm going to head over to Dredge, which is not too far from here, but it's uh, too long of a distance to walk, so I'll take this dropship. Okay. So the dropship appears when you finish a mission? Sometimes. In this case, for the demo, it does. Okay. <laughs> it's like a bus. You know, sometimes you have to wait 10 minutes for yeah. the dropship to show up. All right, so Firefall is set on Earth, but it's an Earth transformed. The year is 2233. Humanity had been warring amongst itself for the last few decades over ever-dwindling resources. Then, the discovery of Christite had the promise of a new clean energy source, which humanity jumped all over, and they started using it aggressively for everything that they could think of. Well, unfortunately, an accident happened, and through their overuse of Christite, they unwittingly unleashed this energy cloud that covered the entire Earth, which we dubbed the melding, and very toxic. But the melding uh, has the ability to uh, create creatures that we've never seen before, and so we've been fighting against those creatures. Recently, things have taken a turn for the worse, and the Chosen have shown up from the melding, and they're attacking all of our towns. We're not sure what they're after, but we're certain of one thing, they want us dead. Everything that you see here is all playable space. We were just doing the Thumper mission way down there. Is all this stored on your machine, or is it stored on a server? This is all server-based. It's like you play it online. Okay. So we're heading to this town that's just over this hill called Dredge, which now you can see the drill starting to appear. Oh, all right. Dredge was founded on top of the last known remaining load of Christite. So it's very important to humanity to try to keep this. These locations can be attacked at any time by the Chosen. You're never sure when these attacks might happen. It's an example of how dynamic our game is. Sometimes you'll log in and you've got your own you know, campaign missions, your, your progression that you're trying to uh, get through, but the Chosen could arrive and uh, ruin your it's day. It's all hands on deck. It's all hands on deck. We need to protect what's ours. Alright, so I'll uh, let this dropship land and then get out. Thank you, sir. And I'll uh, head down and uh, show you a little bit of what Dredge looks like. Now, can you pilot vehicles in this game? You can pilot uh, ground vehicles. That's all we're saying about that at this time. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, this has a, a similarity in look to uh, Borderlands. It's obviously more detailed and less cartoony. Yeah. But it's got a, it's got that. Yep. Oh, Mr. Maybe Dance. a little more less weathered and worn in that manga influence is there. You can definitely see that. Yeah. yeah. 
like the power suits and the jetpack design and stuff like that. So here we've got a, a mission, another dynamic mission. As I was alluding to before, this one's actually uh, to stop the chosen invasion. So I'm gonna go ahead and accept that. Take out these guys. Now, if uh, we lose this battle and the chosen take over Dredge, we lose access to all the features of Dredge, and we'll have to fight to take it back. And this can happen to any one of the the towns and outposts in the game. So has it happened in development? If you have like a, a well, what if the world's going when that's happened and you've had to take it back? Well, you're looking at it right now. This is Dredge, and, it, and they do they can't take it over, although it's not part of what we're showing today. Oh. Now we have uh, a new instance yeah, of battle, Melding Titan. That bad boy is a little bit out of the league for my weapons. But we've seen these before. Luckily, Dredge has installed turrets that uh, can be used for just such an occasion. The turrets up there, I'm going to use this jump pad catapult myself up. These are also upgradable, the turrets, through Army Tech. Hey, this is a lot more like it. There's a little firepower for you. That is Firefall. Very cool. One very important message I want you to take away from this demonstration is that when Firefall releases at the end of 2011, okay. it'll be online, available for download and play for free. Fantastic. That's really cool. Alright, and uh, downloadable and playable for free, how do you make your money? Microtransactions. So we'll supply things that offer function to the players, but not power. We don't want people buying their way to the top of the multiplayer So you don't buy this, the super-powered gun, what do you buy that adds function? Well, things like, uh, so I showed you the armor that had the, the nice yellow color. War paint is a system that we'll be including. You can colorize your armor to however you want. So war paint colors would be a natural choice for something that we would offer as like an item-based transaction. So if you okay. want your armor to look badass, that's one way you can do it. And is a war paint something you get uh, your choice of schemes or something you can customize yourself? You customize it yourself. Through, uh, through, uh, we don't have the interface in the stage that we're showing yet, but uh, it's So if it's I wanted to cool. put a Bonehand logo on my guy, I could. Yes. Nice. That That's would be cool. cool. I like Fantastic. it. And it's coming out at the end of 11. Huh? End of 2011, fourth quarter. Very cool. All right. Well, one question we always ask everybody in the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, Scott? Bad gamers. <laughs> oh shit! That's me, man. <laughs> you, you make this man irate. <laughs> you know that one guy that never defends the flag. You know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. All right. Thanks well, for the tour. For the thanks time. for the really cool. stopping by. Hope you liked what you saw. Yeah. You Wish you all the best. All right. So that was Firefall. Cool game, man. Yeah, for free. If they actually pull this off, and you can actually play that for free. Wow. It's kind That's of a huge. cool concept that this sort of thing's coming up. Like Instant Jam, totally free. This game, totally free. Yeah, but Instant free. Jam was like small and blocky. This is giant. This is a Halo. Yeah, kind of like an anime Borderlands, Halo sci-fi sort of experience. Giant world, lots to explore. Huge cities that you swarm to defend when they're attacked. Just a lot of cool shit to be seen in that game and for free. That's that's amazing. Another that free amazing. Another free game we checked out is uh, Nexus, spelled interestingly. Nexus, Nexus spelled N E X U I apostrophe cow <laughs> colon colon. 
Okay. Okay, so we're here with Kedrin from Ilphonic Games to check out. And how do you pronounce this game? Nexus. 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 Or, you know, it's like tomato, tomato, right? It's I was calling it Nex Wiz all week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've heard some weird pronunciations of this game, <laughs> so um, generally I just kind of call it Nexus just straight up. Yeah, and the reason why is this game was originally a free PC open source game released back in 2005. And uh, we licensed it recently to kind of bring it back to uh, consoles, 360 and PS3, as well as to a PC release. But, yeah, a little bit about the project, you know, we started this uh, probably back in January, but we're using a modified Quake 1 engine to kind of give it the update it needed. However, uh, right after GDC, we saw CryEngine 3 and we fell in love with it, so we switched engine, so we kind of started over again on the project. Uh, what you're seeing is about three months of work with a 10-person team. The game is we're looking to release in quarter one, 2011. Okay. Um, it's going to be P PSN, XBLA, uh, about a $15 download. On release, we're going to have nine levels, two game modes, team deathmatch, capture the flag. We're also going to have um, six player character models to play, choose from. Um, it definitely is an arena first-person shooter at its heart, but the big thing is we're doing some things different. One big thing is uh, we're adding melee to every weapon, so you don't have a melee-specific weapon anymore oh, like cool. Marine FPS. It is nice and smooth. Oh. Yeah, it's definitely still early stages, so there's definitely bugs, as you can tell. But a big thing uh, we're doing that's dramatically different for Arena first-person shooters is this new system called a Dynamic Mutator System. Dynamic Mutator System, basically, whenever you're getting a kill streak, these three random choices of dynamic mutators appear on the screen. You're able to choose one, and what they do is apply a rule to the game for a short period of time, like uh, low gravity, insta give, things like that. So you'll be changing how the game is played when you get a kill streak. Oh, cool. Now, this is, these things are massive, there's a lot of them, there's a lot to choose from that are three random. However, as you're playing the game, you have a persistent profile that scores out the score points you obtain over playing the game. You're able to spend those score points on adjusting the percentage chance of certain dynamic mutators that you really like appearing more often, ones you don't like appearing less often. So there's a lot of strategy players can choose from. A big thing we're also focusing on with the game is we want this to be a really social, community-driven game. And what makes that happen is, first off, within the game, it's fully self-contained. You don't ever have to go to an external website or anything like that to ever do anything related to the game. We have a pretty robust automated tournament system that does monthly regional tournaments and then a worldwide grand tournament where we'll be giving away prizes and things like that. It's very focused on clans, so there's going to be a robust clan management system. You're able to do things like set up appointments on the calendar for like practices, oh, wow. uh, okay. tournament. That's kind of fun. Yeah, and uh, it's really cool because we also have social network integration of Facebook and Twitter and things like that. So the game will send reminders to your clan members and stuff if they hook up their Facebook. Hey, you got a play test tonight, come join. Or clan managers are really able to micromanage their team. Other big thing for competitive gamers we're adding is a heavy focus on like statistics. So clan managers are able to like literally look at, okay, our players are good at this, bad at this. We need to get better at this weapon, for example. Um, and also when you're fighting a clan, you're able to match your clan, the team you're gonna fight, because when you're setting up a match, you set up the team you're gonna your symbol to play against, and you say, okay, these guys are good at this, I can see the team, and so I'm gonna say, in our clan, we have X amount of members, but I want they, these specific guys to play against them. So it's a really competitive. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool, kind of like game planning in football like or something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, 
video games. That's really cool. You know, that's a big thing. It's like I found like a lot of games coming out. Like it's always been the players that I've had to kind of do that stuff outside of the game and kind of invent it themselves. But we're going to allow the players and clans to really do it themselves. Because the big thing we think is there really hasn't been a new arena FPS game since 1999. It's been Unreal Tournament and Quake 3 and dominated. Epic said they're not doing another Unreal Tournament. And it seems like it's kind of spinning its wheels to Quake 3 right now. So you kind of have an open playing field there for you to step in. Absolutely. And the big thing also is all these new gamers that have just now emerged from like Halo and Call of Duty just now getting into video games, they never got to really experience, you know, the arena first-person shooters from the 90s. So now it's like this new generation where kind of like, you know, games have been slowing down a lot. So we're like, okay, let's get back that fast-paced action that, you know, I really like the Twitch gameplay. Actually, if you see the scoreboard here... You can see some really cool things. So one thing we got rid of the whole, here's a bunch of columns and rows for a scoreboard. We really want to emphasize bragging rights and things like that. So here you would see like a clan logo and you would also see medals you've obtained. And these medals are so many different things. Like if you win a clan challenge, if you win a tournament, if you're a leader on one of the many leaderboards, which range from things like who's the best at this get this map, this weapon, or who kills himself the most, who's the worst team killer, who uh, is the worst player in general, like you'll get medals for those, and every time you can get get a medal for that, Steve. We already know who the worst player is. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of really cool things, like the aim assist, like if you don't like aim assist and it's kind of cheap to you, uh, we allow players to turn off aim assist, and if you do that, you get a bonus point to your total score points at the end of the match. So we actually reward players for not using aim assist. Oh, for and so, you know, that's using the force. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's pretty exciting. Engine 3 is great. It's a great engine. And this game's only going to start looking better. You know, as I said, we're only three months into development, so um, we're pretty excited right now with the way things are going. Uh, you know, it's for a $15 game and showing people, you know, this is what Arena FPS is like. Give them a pretty experience, really involved community, competitive edge. That kind of stuff is, like, really cool to see come back. Because it seems like a lot of games are, they're, they're kind of touching and playing stuff, but we really want to expose what makes a competitive game competitive. It's really neat. Especially the tournament. The tournament goes so in-depth where a clan manager is able to say, okay, here's my four players I want to play. And then I have three reserve slots behind them, and I can put other players behind them, and I can call out the main player and put in one of my reserves if I need to at any time, just like playing football or something like that. So people will sit there, and you you watch the clan you're fighting against, and you look at where they are and their skills and their stats, and you're dynamically clan managing. So, yeah, like you said, it's a lot like fantasy football, where it's a really great way for clan managers to really get more hands-on with the clan and make sure they create the best team possible playing the game. That's a really cool uh, way to look at it. I like that. Absolutely. So, you know, it, we're pretty excited, man. You know, we're estimating just, you know, right after Christmas sometime we'll release. So, uh, we're going to be the first CryEngine 3 game release. So, we're really stoked about that as well. It's good. It's uh, Crytek's awesome and really cool with us and helping us out and making sure this game's the best it can be as well. So, cool. So, uh, what's the website for the game? It's www.nexus.com, and our website Nexus is N-E-X-U-I-Z. Nexus, Nexus, or, you know, whatever floats your boat. Well, we'll definitely tell our uh, listeners to keep an eye out for it. One last thing, Kedron. We always ask everybody in the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you off, man? Juggalos. Yes! <laughs> Nobody's ever said that in 52 episodes. Yeah, well, uh, Juggalos really piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, thanks a lot. All right, Next is from Ilphonic Games, which I guess it's available now 
as a free download open source first person shooter PC game. And then it, it was picked up by Ilphonic Games to port it to consoles. So they're going to be releasing that in 2011, and so they're working on that. And that was pretty cool, because for people who were into, like, Quake Arena, Unreal Tournament, big, yeah, big shooters, right, they're trying to do that. And it was a, a pretty cool map that we were checking out. I liked the kind of jump physics when you would go through these, like, portal things that shoot you way the hell up in the air, and you come down firing. It, it just it had a cool look to it, moved really fast, very smooth. It looked like a cool game. Yeah, if you like Quake 3, if you like Unreal Tournament, that's going to be a cool game. Yeah, and it's, you know, you can download it now and try what they have going now on the PC for free, too. So, I, I like that model of uh, free games, man. All right, well, I think that was it for PAX 2010, man. That was Ooh, a good time. I'm spent. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. there's so much to see, so much to do. Just a lot of fun. And then coming off, you know, right off the film festival. I'm still fucking exhausted. I got to say, I don't think I've recovered I'm yet. Spent. All right. Well, why don't we uh, do some filthy jokes and get out of here? All right. All right. So there's these two little boys, like age eight and six, Johnny and Joey. And they're they're playing around the house one day. And they're not supposed to be playing in their teenage sister's room. But you know how little boys will be. So they, they go in there fucking around with the, the teenage sister's stuff. And all of a sudden they hear the teenage sister come home. So they climb in the closet. And it turns out that the teenage sisters brought her boyfriend home. So they, they hear through the closet door and they hear all this kind of kissing and then moaning and groaning. And then the sister says, oh, Billy, you've been where no man's ever gone before. And the older boy says, wow, he must be fucking her up the ass. <laughs> huh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so two guys are walking down the street. They see a dog licking its balls. The first guy goes, wow, wish I could do that. Second guy goes, well, you probably can, but you need to pay Steve a dollar first. Thousand, two, thousand, three. <laughs> Classic. We should totally strike the whole filthy jokes from this segment. That was... That was horrific. <laughs> really? You didn't like that joke? I thought the joke was funny when I read it. <laughs> no, I, I actually thought, okay, he's fucking her up the ass now. <laughs> you know, I was like... But yeah, but an eight-year-old knowing that she's had sex before, get it? Yeah, I, I understand oh why it's supposed to be funny in your head. In my head? I didn't write the fucking joke book. It's in a <laughs> joke book. Oh, I guess that makes it right. No, it just I don't know. It, it just didn't seem funny to me. All right, it doesn't have to be seem funny to you, but it doesn't mean I'm a jerk off for telling it. No, that's not why you're a jerk off. All right, so our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at four two five two nine six six five five seven, or email us at steve at bonehand dot com, and we will address your insults, feedback, questions, whatever you have in our next episode. Speaking of our next episode, our next episode, actually, the Bone Bat Show turns three years old. Three? Can you believe wow. that shit? should be potty trained by now. You'd think, yeah. But uh, still, it leaves a mess all over the internet. Anyway, so if you have anything that you'd like to throw our way, let us know. Uh, what else? Uh, you can find new content on Bonehand.com every Sunday. Uh, you can find a new cartoon on MightyWombat.com once a week around Thursday. You can follow me on Twitter. 
Mighty underscore Wombat. I'm on Twitter as well. You can follow me there. I'm Bonehand. Also, keep an eye peeled for the next heavy half hour, which is about a week away. I'll have some awesome metal listening for you. It's awesome. I think that's about it. As always, thank you for listening. Tonight, we're going to close out with the tune Airbrushed from Anamanaguchi. Thank you again so much to Anamanaguchi for the great music. Thanks, guys. And until next time, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. Have a big one.